0: Hello, survivalists. This is The Crux, true survival stories. I'm your host today, Casey McIntosh, joined with my sister, Tessa King. Or should, should it be by, joined by my sister? I'm judging you. I know you are. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Again, if you are enjoying our podcast, we would love you to give us a review on our Apple podcast. Um, just scroll to the bottom of the episodes and you will find an area where you can leave a review. I have to say reviews give me motivation because seeing your positive comments really gives me drive to continue to produce this podcast every week.
1: Your reviews give me life, (laughs) which is good because that means I'm surviving for you.
0: Today we'll be telling you the story of Eric Lamarck. Eric Lamarck was a talented athlete, a former Olympic hockey player who lost his direction and drive after retiring from the sport during the 1999-2000 season and put his energy and focus into snowboarding eric then went down a dark path getting his kicks from smoking crystal meth in 2004 when eric was 20 when eric was 34 he went with his friends to mammoth ski resort in eastern california in the sierras at the end of a great day of snowboarding eric made a decision that could only be considered one of the most pivotal moments in his life he cut under a ski boundary line oh never do that Before we get started, do you want to tell us um, the story about how
1: you left the ski boundary line? I'm just curious, you have anything to share? Okay, never do this. I'm <laughs> just gonna preface this. <laughs> never do it. Even if you think you're right, you're wrong.
0: Yeah. And it's always at the end of the day, right? Like, oh yeah, it
1: has to be. We were already gassed. My brother Coley and I, our brother Coley, and I, We're going to do a well-known route where we just pop under the boundary line. And what we would do is we'd pop out of the boundary line and pop right back in. It's a great way to get fresh tracks. Nobody's been there. It's great except when you go a little bit too far away from the boundary line and can't find it again. And
0: <laughs> you're in the middle of nowhere with no food or water.
1: Right. And luckily, all roads lead down, and we got a little bit of backcountry skiing and a little bit of downhill skiing and a lot of cross-country skiing, amounting to about 10 miles.
0: <laughs> but thankfully, you knew sort of where you were headed.
1: Yeah, and we ran into snowmobilers, so there were humans who didn't help us. <laughs> But I was too embarrassed to ask for help because I should have known better. And there was cell phone service. But but your phones were dead. Well, we turned them off to conserve battery. Oh, I see. But in any case, it wouldn't have mattered because you couldn't access the roads because the roads were being used by snowmobilers.
0: That's true. Anyway, so, don't do it. It's anyway, dumb. It's I, I mean, it would idea.
1: have been great had we planned on backcountry skiing. So, sure, drop below. Drop beyond the boundary line if you have the right gear and know where you are. Yes. Yes. And always bring a friend. And a map. And a map.
0: Eric Lamarck was born in Paris, France on July 1st, 1969. His family relocated to California and he was raised between two areas in Los Angeles. He was drawn to hockey at a young age, despite the fact that most Southern Californian kids dream of surfing. He had a natural ability, including strong skating and a powerful shot. His stepfather was hard on him, but taught him how to work hard. And Eric would skate six days per week and shoot 500 shots per day in order to pursue his dream of becoming a professional hockey player. His, skill, his skills led to success, and he became one of the country's top recruits. College coaches and NHL scouts were very interested in Eric Lamarck, leaving Eric in a position of deciding if he was going to go to college or if he was going to skip it all together and join the NHL.
1: How nice to have options. I know.
0: His mother, Susan, encouraged him to go to college to further his education, which is what he ended up doing, and I just have to say – Way to go, Susan. <laughs> I hope I have that influence on my kids. Eric ended up going to northern Michigan to Marquette. I guess the school's pretty small, but they have a good hockey team that still plays Division I hockey, and their team is called the Wildcats. Go Wildcats. Oh, yeah. The Boston Bruins recruited Eric when he was a freshman, and he was only 17. And this was the 10th round of the NHL entry draft. He was the first Californian ever to be taken in at an NHL draft. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. During his junior year, he was number three in point total on the Wildcat team. And after college, he joined the Bruins. But that was short-lived because he was really arrogant and he wanted things to always go his way. The Bruins ended up letting him go. He had offers from Los Angeles and Ontario rain. But these were minor league teams and he turned the offers down who's too good for it at the time he was above it yep he went to play for the French national team because he had dual citizenship sweet yeah must be nice right yeah so many <laughs> options
1: way to <laughs> and, go Eric Yeah.
0: way to go and things seemed to be going really well he played with them for five years then he ultimately went to the 1994 Olympics in Lillehammer Norway and he did well there he then represented France in 1995 at the International Ice Hockey Federation World Championships. So he had a, I mean, he did pretty well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Way better than probably almost every single hockey player that reaches high school age. He retired in 1999, which I would imagine was a difficult transition for Eric. Since his entire life up until that point was living, breathing playing and planning to play hockey literally that's all this guy did
1: and when you have that much achievement where do you go yeah it's hard to
0: refocus that energy into something productive he got a job at a sporting goods company which is probably (laughs) (laughs) I don't know did he get free stuff I don't know I mean I love sporting goods companies don't get me wrong but I worked in one once and it was not for me let's just put it that way
1: I bet the discounts were though I mean, am I right?
0: That's the only reason you work in a place like that. You only work there for the discount. So hockey was his adrenaline, his passion. And once that was gone, he was pretty deflated. He began using crystal meth while living with a friend. At the same time, he took up snowboarding, which became a strong passion, allowing more excitement. Eric was snowboarding by day and using meth by night. Mm, What a combo. He was getting into trouble with the law, and he was arrested at one point for drug possession and trespassing. Eric stated, quote, even though my life was totally out of bounds and I was addicted to those two powders, the one that fell from the sky <laughs> oh and the God. one that I was sniffing into my body, I was working out at the gym. I was on the snowboard, I was playing hockey, I had vanity still. I was this close to feeling sorry for myself and ending up on the street. It made me feel so euphoric, it gave me this incredible surge of energy, this incredible lift and high. Meth affected my judgment. I isolated myself from my family, my friends, and I did my own thing when I wanted to, how I wanted to, who I wanted to do it with, and nothing else mattered but me, end quote. I think his lifestyle was starting to catch up with him at this point. He realized that this was not going to be a sustainable long-term thing. It was, it was definitely catching up with him. He was hoping that a ski day at a mammoth ski resort would be the reset that he needed to get his life back on track. Turns out it was, but just not in the way that he had hoped. Mammoth is a ski resort that boasts the highest lift service summit in California, at 3,300 meters tall. Eric couldn't get enough of the day. As the day progressed, a storm swelled in the sky, bringing in colder temperatures and wind, and ski patrol made the judgment to shut down the ski resort altogether. Eric said, quote, I noticed ski patrol was ushering people off the west side of the mountain undeterred, Eric Lamarck decided to take one more run. I mean, why not? He took the lift up the mountain once more. He decided to make the most of his last ride by ducking under the ski boundary.
1: At the end of the day.
0: At the end of the day, when there's no one there to rescue you. He stated, quote, I hiked up to a run. A big mistake that I made is that I knew I was riding down into fog. Once I got down and I hit the fog, it was like I opened the door to another world. He had gone the wrong direction, which is easy to do in the fog. Tessa, you know what it's like to be immersed in the fog. Pretty disorienting, right?
1: Yeah, you don't even like skiing over what's two feet in front of you. It's a pretty weird feeling. Yeah, you could hit some snow that you're not expecting. So you could go over a jump really easily. I mean... Everything's white. Everything is white.
0: (laughs) Just land on your head. I've done that a couple times. So initially he had 50 feet of visibility, and then it was down to 10 feet. And the wind was picking up. It was getting cold. When Eric went under the boundary line, he was wearing long underwear, light snow pants, and a light jacket, gloves, beanie, goggles, MP3 player, matches, two power bars, and a baggie of meth. Initially, when he got down to the bottom of the steepest part of the hill, he thought he knew where he was, and he was on a flat area, and he decided to hike over the ridge to find the road that would lead him to the Tamarack Lodge. Shortly after making this decision, he quickly realized that he was lost and he was going to have to spend the night out in the woods. He stated, quote, I did not sleep a wink. I sat there shivering, and my shivers didn't end until I was off the mountain, end quote. That's so scary. I know. To make matters worse, he ran into some coyotes. Coyotes. Coyotes? Coyotes. Coyotes. <laughs> coyotes. <laughs> he was thankfully able to scare them off by screaming and yelling loudly at them. Just put this in the back of your mind for now. His plan in the morning was to continue to look for help, which is what he did, but he was walking through snow that was pretty deep, which is obviously super exhausting. He started heading down on his board on day two. He was trying to get his bearings. He heard water, and he headed in that direction. He drank from the river, and while he was sitting there, he remembered his baggie of meth. And Eric said, quote, I sat there with my emotions. Do I take the rest of this meth and follow my tracks back out? Or is that going to put me in a worse situation? Oh,
1: please tell me he did not take the meth. Please, 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 no meth.
0: Well, not at that moment. I'm not sure if he had had any prior to that moment. I would I was kind of wondering he may have. Okay, so thankfully he dumped out the meth. He hopped along the rocks in the river because it was easier than wading through the snow. And then he decided to take one more drink. He states, quote, I put my hand on a rock and took the biggest drink that I could. The ledge I was on gave way. And now I found myself in the river being pulled down. He said, I fought over and got to the side of the river. So now I was in an environment where it was freezing cold, but completely soaked. I just stripped down and basically did what I called the fire dance, end quote. And this was moments away from catapulting over a 20-meter waterfall. So that would have been the end for sure.
1: Yeah, and even drinking ice-cold water like that seems like a bad idea when your body has to That's a get really- it back to... Body temperature, so you're almost dehydrating yourself even de- de- dehydrating yourself even more.
0: So now he's all wet. He put his damp clothing back on, climbed onto a rock ledge where he slept. He put his boots on a rock to dry them. By the morning, things were getting hairy. He'd gone all night long without boots on. The temperatures were sub-zero, and he was not able to feel his feet anymore. I couldn't get a boot on. I was walking in the snow with one foot. In the boot with no socks on either foot one foot was by itself in the snow i found myself trying to walk and falling over end quote it was evident that frostbite was setting in his feet were turning blue he ended up using the bag from his meth to melt snow for water which i thought was pretty inventive how big is this bag it's just like a ziploc bag that you would put a sandwich
1: in okay Thankfully, it was the Ziploc kind, otherwise, he yeah. would be in trouble. I was thinking about those little, like the tiny baggies that you see in movies and stuff. Oh, so yeah. Like cocaine and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Not for my day to day life, but.
0: <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> so get ready for this next one. It might send you a little bit to the edge. So he was eating the skin that was flaking off of his frostbitten feet. Oh, what
1: the hell? Sorry. He was desperate. <laughs> he used a snowboard and he are you sure he wasn't on the meth i mean
0: yeah that was after the meth was already gone yeah he used his snowboard as a tool to remove bark from trees as a source of calories he was also able to collect pine nuts from surrounding trees and he used bark as insulation to keep himself warm and he did attempt to build igloos to shield himself from the wind he tried to start a fire but everything was too wet he thought he was hiking about seven miles per day, and he had gone inadvertently nine miles off course from where he intended. For three days, he worked his way back up the mountain after the, after the sky cleared, and he could finally figure out where he was using a signal from his MP3 player. No way. Yeah. So he was getting an intermittent signal from it. And so if he turned in one direction, like towards the ski resort, he was getting a signal. And if he turned away from it, he would lose the signal. So he kind of used that as a beacon. That's pretty resourceful. Yeah, it's just unfortunate because I don't think he thought about it right away.
1: So it must have been like radio or something to yes. that effect.
0: Yes, yes. So if you would have thought about that on the first day, I, although there may have been interference with the weather, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. He said to himself, quote, I have to take at least 10 steps that is why i took the 10 steps i would sleep for more an hour i would sleep for two hours my body had given way to a skeletal type frame now i lost so much mass and my energy was gone the hunger pains were there but now i started to have some delusional feelings and dreams i'm like turning around really quick like who's there i could have sworn it was the grim reaper just looking at me and laughing This day, I started to pray. I prayed that somebody knew I was gone. And it turns out that someone did know that he was gone. And it was his mother, Susan. Susan. Susan, Yes. Susan had been calling Eric's phone, but she wasn't getting any return calls, which is really atypical for him. He was always a pretty good communicator with her. She ended up convincing Eric's father and a friend, family friend, to go to the mammoth authorities who confirmed that he was missing. And there was already a search out for him. The search party initially was optimistic when they set out to look for Eric, but the optimism dropped over the period of time that he was missing. On day seven, they were probably thinking that there was no way they would find him alive. But luckily for Eric, it had been pretty mild weather since he initially got lost. And there was very little snowfall during the time that he was out there. So the search team was actually able to follow his tracks. During the search, they discovered another lost man's feet and ski poles. Oh my feet. Yes. Like unattached feet, unattached, separated. feet. Loose. Unfortunately, the man, Chris Foley had been eaten by animals in the Stop wild it. and he had gone missing on the same night. Eric was ten on the st- same night. Yes. Eric was 10 steps from the Ridge and built a crude shelter through the sixth and seventh night then he turned on his MP3 player and heard over the radio that a search and rescue mission was out looking for his body. That's what he heard on the radio.
1: Yeah, well, after they find just feet in the woods.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was optimistic even before they found the feet in the woods. After yeah. someone's been out there and exposed long, for seven days. In the
1: cold, without food. hmm
0: On day eight, Eric was frostbitten, exhausted, and hypothermic. He climbed up on the ridge of the mountain, and he heard a helicopter, and it was the search and rescue.
1: Was he still bootless? Yeah. That's so crazy. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I think he had one boot on. The other one wasn't on. It was just, it may have just been barefoot. He said, quote, The one thought that was prevailing was I was going to go back to every relationship that was worth something and make it mean something now. I'm going to restore everything that has been broken. My reckless addictions weren't as strong as my human will was to survive. Bill Green of the, Mon- of the Mono County Sheriff's Search and Rescue Team stated, quote, it amazed everybody. I do not think anybody was not surprised to find him alive, end quote. His body temperature when they found him was 86 degrees.
1: So what's the normal? Remind <laughs> us. What
0: is it? 97
1: to 99. Ooh. so um, don't feel special if you're 97. No.
0: <laughs> I mean, you're special, but not for that reason. Yeah. Eric had lost 40 pounds, and he was very dehydrated with severe stage 5 frostbite on his feet. He stated, quote, these are the feet that took me around the world that helped me achieve all the talents, skills, and worldly dreams. So immediately, I clung to them as long as I could, and I wept, end
1: quote. I had a feeling that he was going to lose his feet after the no boots thing. How could you not? Don't you think it's kind of weird and poetic that one guy died and his feet were all that were left and Eric lives and his feet he loses?
0: That's very ironic. I didn't think about that. He had an initial amputation just above the ankles, but later it was extended to six inches below the knees. And during his hospitalization, he developed a 107 degree fever that was nearly fatal, but managed to survive that. And after Eric healed up from the ordeal, he became a born-again Christian and faced his drug addiction. He wrote two books, including Six Below, Miracle on the Mountain, and Crystal Clear, the inspiring story of how an Olympic athlete lost his legs due to crystal meth and found a better life. The title pretty much sums up the whole story,
1: almost. I know, that's like (laughs) my level joke. Crystal Clear, you get it, guys. Do you get it?
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh, that was an accident. He got married and he has three sons and he still loves to snowboard. And in 2017, his story was turned into a movie starring Josh Hartnett titled Six Below Miracle on the Mountain. He stated that making the movie was very difficult and painful and he had to walk off the set a few times because he was just crying. And it was more like they were playing him like a musical instrument. But later, he came around to accepting and liking the movie. So of course, he keeps himself busy with kids, and he does motivational speaking, and he continues to snowboard. I found it really interesting because many of these articles commented about Eric's desire to get clean and off drugs, and he was hoping that that mammoth trip would do it for him. And it did, but like I said before, not at all like he was hoping or anticipating. That was like the biggest spanking ever.
1: Yeah, talk about rock bottom. Yeah. So that's all I have for you guys today. That's it? I'm sorry. That's all. (sighs) Are you going to tell me more next week? Maybe. We'll see how nice you are to me. (laughs) (laughs) Shoot, I got to step it up.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, send meals over to my house, maybe.
1: Wow. Tall order. I mean, there are five of you. (laughs) Well, have a good week, and hope you guys stay alive stay alive until next week and don't forget to interact with us on social, social don't forget to interact with us on social media and maybe leave us some nice words on apple podcasts because we love you <laughs>
0: <laughs> that sounded like a question yes we love you people all right goodbye bye